In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. The festival of the circumcision and naming of Jesus, which the church observes on this day, has a rather fortuitous placement in the secular calendar. This calendar year, 2023, which is ending today, this year actually began on a Sunday, which means that we began the year by talking about this very text, and now we are ending the year in the very same way. How appropriate it is for us to begin and end the year in the name of our Lord Jesus, all the while seeking refuge in the blood that he shed for us. And so these are the two things that we will meditate on for today, the significance of Jesus' circumcision and the name that he has given. So first, why is Jesus' circumcision so significant for the church for today? As you may recall from the Old Testament, God had commanded first Abraham and all the males of his household and all of his descendants after him to be circumcised as a sign of the covenant between God and the people of Israel. It was a mark that from their lineage, the Christ, the Messiah, would come. Every male descendant of Abraham would see that mark in his flesh and be reminded of the promise of the coming Savior. Any who were not part of this covenant were considered cut off from the promise. When Jesus was circumcised, though, something new happens. He is the fulfillment of that promise that was made way back to Abraham that he would have as many descendants as the sand on the seashore and as many stars as there are in the sky. When he was circumcised, he also then fulfills the law's requirement for circumcision. St. Paul writes in Colossians chapter 2 that the Old, Testament uh, the Old Testament ceremonies, like the sacrifices, like Sabbath day observances, dietary requirements, and also circumcision, were all shadows that pointed to the substance that belongs to Christ. That those things were all preparing the people of Israel for his coming. All of those things are then fulfilled in the life and ministry of Jesus, beginning on the eighth day after his birth. That is why we are no longer today required by divine law to keep the same religious practices with regards to those things as Israel. Probably the most notable one, of course, is why we're worshiping today rather than last night and why we're not sacrificing any animals here this morning. The point here is that Jesus already begins to fulfill God's law for us, even as an infant. His whole purpose in, in coming into the world begins already as he shed his infant blood for us in accordance with the law of God. You've heard me talk about the distinction between Jesus' active and passive obedience. The catechism kids will no doubt remember this from our lectures on the creed. I see my daughter nodding. Good, she's tracking with me. But in order for Jesus to be the Savior, 
That, must, that means that he must do everything that the law requires of him. He can't leave anything out. If he does not fulfill it for us, then it will be required of us. But Jesus does fulfill the whole will and law of God, even as an infant. And this is what we mean by his active obedience. But Jesus also must let the law do to him what it should do to us because of our sins. We have not kept God's law, which is why he came into the world in the first place. He came to rescue us from the punishment of death that we have brought upon ourselves. He takes on what we deserve for our open rebellion against God. Namely, he takes on our death. As he sheds his very first lifeblood, Jesus is already taking on the curse of sin for us. And this is what we mean by his passive obedience. And so, as Jesus fulfills the law, both actively doing what it says and passively taking on the punishment that it meets out upon those who break it, he fulfills it now for us, his people. St. Paul writes in Colossians chapter 2, In him... You were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh, by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. You have been baptized into Christ Jesus. And that means that you have been baptized into his perfect fulfillment of the law. He gives you credit for what he has done. Jesus has accomplished everything that is necessary for your salvation, including the law of circumcision. And your baptism gives you credit for his active obedience. And it is now the sign, your baptism is now the sign between you and God in heaven that you belong to him. He has promised to save you by the bloody death of his son. And by your baptism, he buries you deep in the wounds of your Savior. <clears throat> and this leads us then very beautifully into our second point. That is the significance of the name of our Savior Jesus. As we learn from the Old Testament, God's name is how he reveals himself. Like when he revealed himself to Moses at the burning bush in Exodus chapter 3. But it's more than just God coming up and saying, hey, how are you? My name is Yahweh. But he is also, through his divine name, revealing his saving purpose to you. In that account in Exodus 3 that I mentioned, God says, I am who I am. And he said, say to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. I have observed you and what has been done to you in Egypt. And I promise that I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to a land flowing with milk and honey. As God revealed his identity to Moses, 
he also revealed his saving purpose for the Israelites. In the same way, when the angel visited Joseph to reveal God's saving plan in sending the Christ to be born of the Virgin Mary, his betrothed wife, he told Joseph what he was to name the child. She will bear a son, he says, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Jesus, this name means Yahweh. That's God's proper name. Yahweh saves. This not only reveals God's identity as the one who saves his people from their sins, but it also shows his saving purpose in doing so in this little child. And this is why, dear saints, the name of Jesus figures so prominently into the piety of the church. What generations and generations of the people of Israel longed to see, prefigured through prophets and kings and sacrifice and circumcision and even through the naming of their people, Joseph and Mary held in their own arms and they got to call him by his revealed name, Jesus, Yahweh, our Savior. Their Savior and our Savior, Jesus, is the one who saves us from our sins. We, today, now have the joy and privilege and the honor that the Israelites never had, that we have the privilege of calling our Savior by his name, that is, Jesus. That same Jesus tells us, Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Using what Jesus says in the context of this, we understand this to mean that if we ask Jesus anything in faith in him as our Savior, we are calling upon the one who actually has the power to deliver on our prayers. Consider this. We actually know the personal name of the one who sits upon the throne of heaven. And we may speak directly to him by name. We don't invoke saints and angels, but we can speak directly to Jesus our Yahweh Savior. What a, what a marvelous gift Jesus gives us in revealing his name to us. And so, dear saints, as this world comes to a close, if the world looks in on what we're observing today, they may cast an odd glance in our direction that we would be concerned about circumcision and Jesus' name. But it is by Jesus' name, by his saving us, and by his keeping of the law through the shedding of his blood, that he becomes our Savior. So let us take refuge in his name and in the blood that he has shed for us. 
a happy new year in the name of our Savior Jesus. Amen. And now, the peace of God, which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus our Lord.